You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams. And in this episode, we continue our look at the Martin Scorsese filmography with the films Hugo and The Wolf of Wall Street. Here to discuss the films with me is returning guest, Mr. Ben Teed. Hello. Before getting into our discussion, I would like to mention that we are still proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Search Deliberate Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network. We are also now available over at Spotify. So if you haven't checked us out over there, you could uh, just follow uh, Plain Label Podcast. Mr. Teed, what is it that you are drinking this Saturday evening? i turn my desk lamp on to read the can. <laughs> this is from Blake's Hard Cider again. Up oh, in yes. Armada, Michigan. One of my favorites. Tried and true. Um, when this is being uh, recorded, uh, it is the very start of Pride Month. And this is uh, Blake's Rainbow Seeker. It is pineapple and sage hard cider. And it's just their, it's their pride themed, uh, very colorful can, very rainbow uh, coolness and it's ice cold and great and wonderful and it's very sweet and my wife loves it so I'm drinking it nice 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 so I'm going with uh, oh man in our second in our second movie we had so many options of things that I could be drinking or doing or whatever but I'm uh, I'm behaving myself for the most part I'm having a <laughs> very simple vodka lemonade in uh, a very tall uh, glass of water so vodka lemonade it is the uh, the sparkling ice sort of a you know big like 24 pack of waters that you buy and it's the mixed mixed pack there and it's um yeah so it's sam's club uh water and sam's club vodka is kind of the kind of the awesome. deal yeah because it's uh you know it's 95 degrees as of recording so it's hotter oh than crap gosh. here so <laughs> that's what i'm having and it's nice and refreshing all right so that is what we are drinking. We're going to start in 2011 with a little bit of a departure for Mr. Martin Scorsese in the film Hugo. What's your name, boy? Hugo. Hugo Cabray. from his past. We built him. I would think a magician. The most complicated one I've ever seen. Can we fix him? Of course we can fix him. A mysterious connection. Hey! Where did you get this? I need it to fix something. This is marvelous. A secret. What is that? I think it's a message from my father. Why would my key fit into your father's machine? To finding his way home. This is a treacherous place, do you understand? Just there. So we could get into trouble. That's how you know it's an adventure. You've tried to forget the past for so long. Maybe it's time to try and remember. The story's not over yet. This Thanksgiving, Academy Award-winning director Martin Scorsese invites you on an incredible journey. Stop that child! Apprehend! Once upon a time, I met a boy named Hugo Cabray. He searched to find a secret message. I need to know what this means. And how that message lit his way. 
the way home. Hugo. And the IMDb plot synopsis for this film goes like this. Hugo is an orphaned boy living in the walls of a train station in 1930s Paris. He learned to fix clocks and other gadgets from his father and uncle, which he puts to use keeping the train station clocks running. The only thing that he has left that connects him to his dead father is an automaton, a mechanical man that doesn't work without a special key. Hugo needs to find the key to unlock the secret he believes it contains. On his adventures, he meets he meets a shopkeeper who works in the train station and his adventure-seeking goddaughter. Hugo finds that they have a surprising connection to his father and the automaton, and he discovers it unlocks some memories the old man has buried inside regarding his past. Okay, Mr. Teed, so tell me about you and your history with Hugo. Definitely saw it in theaters. Definitely uh, remember like I definitely remember liking it. My wife liked it and and we came out of it just uh, you know, just catching everything Scorsese, you know, from here on out. And um and so uh yeah, I mean I remember thinking, oh, this is this will be a nice like change for Scorsese. This will be like a, a kid's film or whatever, you know. And coming out the other end going, I, is that for kids? I don't maybe i don't i don't know Uh it didn't seem like it but honestly at the end of the day i mean it it is absolutely a change but whether or not it's for children i don't think it matters i think it's for film fans Mm -hmm. we'll talk about why but um Mm -hmm. but yeah that's that's my short like basic reasoning for for going to even uh go and see uh a new scorsese film but i i the other thing i kept seeing was um a uh there's still a a uh i guess a a blending of of uh his actor player his main players uh, still coming back you know you're starting to see and then you get a few here and there that that pop in you know um but it's it's nice to see this has a great cast in it i I think a lot of people in here are are extremely extremely talented and and don't get enough uh work Uh, Mm -hmm. and some of them are have left us unfortunately but anyways right uh so this is this may be a surprise for you. This is the first time I've seen this movie. Uh, okay. It was not something that I was, I wasn't like uh, dreading it, but it wasn't something to where I was like, oh, in the filmography, I can't wait to get to that one kind of a thing. Because the only thing that I remember about this was that it was around the same time when Spielberg did Tintin. And it was them doing kind of, technology-based films is what I remember thinking about them to where whether it's computer generated or 3d and I was like okay is this really for is this is this for the audience or is this for the filmmaker is kind of what I remember thinking about this movie and then like I said never seeing it and forgetting most of that until we got to a certain point in this film and then I was like, oh, okay, now I see that this this is for Marty. <laughs> like this is a deal where it absolutely is. Yeah. <laughs> where this or just is for like, Marty fans. Yes, yes, yes. To where this was like a, oh, this isn't really seek it like it, it is seeking a commercial appeal, but at the same time, it's not really because it's just no. kind of like celebrating film and, and talking about how it's important to uh 
remember your past in some ways and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and so kind of a long way around it. I thought this was just fine. I didn't, I didn't yeah. love it. Uh, I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but I was also, I also felt like I had kind of no real stake in the game. Like I, I didn't really have any sort of emotional connection or any sort of like um, triumphant moment, really. I just kind of felt like, oh, okay. And it just sort of felt like someone was telling me, yeah, and then this happens to Hugo and then this happens and then this happens. And then this other thing happens and this is how it ends. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's sort of how I felt about it. <laughs> like I didn't have a big takeaway, but I also wasn't like, uh, give me my two hours back. You know, I wasn't like that. Um, so that's kind of where I was at with this one. It's kind of funny because whenever we do these, um, we I usually let my wife know, hey, you know, because we watch almost everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's something that I know she's not going to want to watch, I save it for the nights that she's working. And so uh, here we are, you know, at these two films and I ask her both. And when it comes to Hugo, she goes, ah, you know, I, I wouldn't mind revisiting it, but yeah, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to like include me or whatever. And it just happened that she was home that night working on something. And um, she said, well, uh, you know, maybe I'll come over and I'll, and I'll sit and watch a little bit of it or whatever, you know, and, and we both got wrapped up in it, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's just something about, I think, this is her style of film you know and in that in that type of like uh preciousness the 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 kid getting swept up in a in a in a larger adventure yeah yeah yeah. adventure type of thing and And mostly innocent it feels safe yeah safe yeah it's exactly it um yeah it's true that it it is a it's a very safe movie and and a lot of the times Scorsese films don't necessarily have to feel that way. <laughs> not a ton of gunshots, not a lot of motherfuckers, you know, not a lot. Of, it's very much playing, no, it, playing it even. A lot, I remember a lot of the, a lot of the uh, maybe scarier kind of moments have to do with like Kingsley or uh, Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen, mm-hmm. their characters. That's a lot of the suspense, but for the most part, you know, there's, you got the Disney, like losing your father type of, you know, uh, motif or, or I guess a trope. Yep. Yep. Um, I think Asa Butterfield is really good in it. I think, I think all the child actors are just fine. Um, well, I think that I would agree with the second piece of what you said. I think that he's just okay. Like he just looks, here's, here's, I guess part of my issue is that if you would have told me that this was directed by Steven Spielberg, I would have said a hundred percent. I totally get it. I completely understand because yeah. it is very like, you know, child on an adventure, something bigger than him. Parents aren't around. The threat of being an orphan and being you know, taken in by the the adults that are, for some reason, transfixed on ruining this kid's fun. That's interesting. And yeah, because that that's usually what he's doing. He's usually yeah. making films like that. And he's really good at making films. Like oh, that. absolutely. But it's and so, been years since one of those has been has made a mark. Mm hmm in the capacity of like for kids in general, like, I don't think, you know, like this is more of a nine to 11 to 12 year old, maybe even, maybe even a little bit younger um, affair. And it's like, there's, there aren't, there aren't movies being made necessarily for them anymore. It's almost like it's either trolls or like the Smurfs or something. Yeah, or like adult stuff, and I and, and I don't know, or, or I guess I guess just the eighteen to thirty-five uh, male. Yeah, the demographic. Yeah, the action demo. Yeah, 
Um, one of the things that, uh, and so I thought that he was okay. Um, I think that he's, it, it's like they, maybe it's either performance or the, the direction or the choices or whatever, but it, it strikes me as every scene. It's like, okay, give me kicked puppy. Look like, give me the <laughs> emotion, the most emotion you can squeeze out of your face in every single frame. And I was like, this is, this is too much. Like it, it's like begging for emotion too much in his face. It's like, I get that he's, you lost his father. This is his only connection and that sort of thing. But I was like, I don't need to see it every time I look at him. Like every time I look at him, it was like, please feel sorry for me kind of face. You and I was just heartless like, mm. bastard. No, oh, <laughs> that may be. I mean, I've been called much worse. That is, that's probably no. not too disaccurate or inaccurate. I'm, um, I'm just teasing. Yeah. But that, but that's what I get from his his specific look, I guess. And so maybe Certainly, that's just yeah. a, maybe that's just an actor thing for me. Well, and you've seen hundreds, hundreds of movies, and in ones like this, all over the place. So I think you're you specifically are an audience member that is maybe so attuned to something like this, mm. and that often you know someone like you or I could watch it, and and we just kind of forget that. You know, maybe a kid would be, and it's hard. It's <laughs> yes, hard to know. I know where you're going. Yes, this is exactly right. Keep going. It's hard to know whether or not we're we would uh, fall for this as a kid, and and I don't have a kid old enough to to test this on. Otherwise, I probably would have. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just I I think that that magic of of that's something that I'm sure is part part of the artifice of the of all this. You have to keep keep that stuff believable and stuff like that but i think once we know how the sausage is made it does kind of take away from ever looking at that kid anymore and going oh or oh it's (laughs) real for us you know yeah you can just say eric this is not for you (laughs) this is not (laughs) you know i mean that too (laughs) because that's essentially what it is in terms of the like what it's aiming at right like it's not aiming for a 40 year old that you know reads two to three uh (laughs) scripts a day sort of a person Right. Like it's, that's not what it's uh, no. aiming at, you know, or for someone who's been on a set before and, and like, you know, knows, you know, how some of the sausage is made. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think it, it would be hard for, it would be hard for individuals who to, I mean, I mean, that's essentially what happens, right. When, when you get old enough, you it's, it's hard to enjoy certain aspects of these films, but I do think that there is magic here though, especially when it comes to, um, his uh, uh george millier uh mm-hmm. talking about the very beginning and, and that's that's the fanboy out like let me recreate some of these super uh famous sets from the birth <laughs> of, of filmmaking yes. and stuff like that right this and is... i i i dug that i thought okay. that was really good this is the part where i wrote in my notes uh i put something something masturbatory is what i wrote down (laughs) because and i don't mean it in that harsh of a term but it's kind of like this is for this is marty doing something that he's interested in right and so i get that i get that there is the goal of introducing younger audiences to the magic and the wonder and the spectacle of movie making and kind of shooting for something a little younger like that and saying like oh look at how this you know, and, and kind of playing like more fundamental uh, storytelling choices with we have this orphaned kid and he's got this, you know, pretty simple goal. And you've got the very caricature, um, 
type villain that Sasha Baron Cohen's playing and that sort of thing. And then it's also, but I'm going to put in something as Martin Scorsese that's interesting to me. And so we're going to do some milieu stuff and we're going to recreate this. And then hopefully, and maybe we'll have someone go, well, that was really cool. What is that? Let me look into this. Let me learn about my library. (laughs) Yeah. Let me learn more about this sort of stuff. And that is the introduction to the history of film. And it's kind of a great way to, to, to get that info. I think, (laughs) you know, when presented in that way. And so I think that the, I think that what is great about that is that it is the twenties, right? Twenties, twenties Paris. And I believe so. Thirties, sorry. 1931. Um, I, I was close. And uh, so ni- early 1930s, oh, Paris. that would have been when that would have been when this, this. OK, yes, I was thinking I thought you were referring to when these films were made. I said, no, 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 that's that's way earlier. Yeah, it's like like, you know, early, early, early. Uh, right. But no, they would have taken his job away or taken his work away or whatever. And that. Yes. OK. Yeah. So it's uh, 1930s. And what I like about that is that way you have the kids who they are being introduced to um this old these old films this sort of like restored and discovered stuff and then you get to see like the first movies in the flashback with young ben kingsley and you get to see like people with the moving pictures for the first time and the train that scares them and that's you know introducing to the audience like look at how fucking awesome this is like you can sort of take it for granted now but what I think is interesting about that is you you don't have this like set in a more modern time to where you look at it and you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, fine, whatever. It's it's rediscovering a director that I don't know anything about. And that doesn't look real. Look at how fake those props were, you know, that sort of thing. It's back to the birth to where it's uh, it's got that sort of uh, that childlike wonder is is uh, is sort of the main thing that it has going for them. Uh, as opposed to if this was like a Chloe Grace Moretz type character in 2021 to where you're like, yeah, that's forever ago. Why am I interested in that? Let me look back at my phone. And it's just like a different style having it be in the early 30s compared to being modern day. I finally got around to my point there. But um, I think that that's a a big plus is the the time that it's set because I think that if you try try to put it in the 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, it's kind of like, well, who cares? Well, like, why do I care about that? But since it's set in a time where Millier is still alive, you can kind of be like, oh yeah, this is the thing that I used to do. And before I was disenfranchised by it and that sort of thing. Samantha uh, could not see me when it happens, but I'll just admit it to you because I don't care. And I'll admit it to everyone listening. I, I absolutely got a little emotional when he does come back into the room and they're watching his work and they're just, they're taken by it. Um, I don't know. I just, there's, I, I, I get it. Like I, I get that, it, that it can be a little corny or cheesy or whatever, but still like, I don't, there's something about that. There's just something about the recreation, the, the lost uh, of it. And you know, like um, I, I don't, I don't want to give away too much, but mm-hmm. you, uh, did you see uh, once upon a time in Hollywood? Uh, no, I have not seen You that. have not seen that one yet. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, there's a, um, there are certain elements of this film. I won't get into Hollywood then, because I think that's a big. I I, I think I don't. I think it's something that I don't want to like 
ruin too much, but maybe, maybe I'm revealing too much by saying this, but it, well, it, 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 well, before you get into it, I'll tell you that, uh, I am, I've sort of, my, my opinions of Quentin Tarantino are very conflicted. Sure. Uh, so, oh, I same here. so I don't know that I'm going to get around to it anytime. Oh, soon. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Well, there's something that happens in it uh, that, that is essentially rewriting history. Actually, there's several things in it oh, that rewrite, okay, yeah. that rewrite I, I'm history. I'm aware of that. Yeah, I'm aware okay. of this. Um, so uh, it's not just the one large thing. There's also uh, a bunch of people that make an appearance. There's a Bruce Lee fight scene between yes. um, a character, but, but between a character in that film that you know is not a recorded thing. It's not a real thing that ever happened. But it's fun to it's fun to like take real people that existed and just write a new chapter for them. And I feel like with Melier, that's a real fun thing to do. It's like none of like almost all of his films were gone and all these things happened. It's like almost a celebration of him being able to be okay with it or having his like his drawings that he was so famous for just fly around the room in this very, which oh, to right. me looks, which looks very cheesy. It looks very cheesy, but to be like very celebratory of like, you know, the camera kind of focuses in on a lot of these drawings. It's like, oh, that's the, oh, there's the moon. Oh, there's the the rocket. Oh, you know. Well, I wouldn't, have given a shit. Very... I wouldn't have given a shit about that unless it's when he crumples them up and is, is like, you know, he's, he's kept them in that suitcase or whatever. Uh, and then he starts crumpling them up once they're free again. And that's, that was the time that was the most effective m- moment for me to where I'm like, no, don't, like, don't ruin your art. Like, what, what are you, are you crazy? doing? Yeah. That yeah. Was like, kind you know, of, yeah. Uh, you know how much this will be worth in a hundred years yeah, really. uh, it's like films won't be anything it's like oh buddy um <laughs> it is kind of it is kind of fascinating though because that's his arc right that's the arc that i probably cared the most about i mean yeah and i i guess i remembered his father dying i remember the automaton like moving and stuff like that and the message it creates and it's just it's a, i think it's very cool but ultimately like I don't know. I'm with you. I liked it, but it was just fine. It was just, just a fine film and really nothing offensive to it. Just, just really, just really enjoyed having a night where I caught up with that again. Interesting uh, thing about the other film though, like very interesting uh, reaction to the second film, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, Hmm. hmm. (laughs) Anyways, Hugo, Hugo itself, like, like, I'm sure the the source material and stuff probably gets into all sorts of stuff, but oh, I'm sure, I, yeah. I think one of the strongest things here for me is um is that is like the recreation of those uh of those sets and those costumes and the designs are just like the set design is 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 it's the same thing as those old uh old films and stuff. It, it's just wonderful. Yeah. You know, um, and I may, I may get hate for this, but I think it's a very much to me, like a, it's like watching this movie at times for me felt like watching the little kid at his birthday to where he's like all wound up and he's got all of his toys and he's doing all of the stuff and playing with whatever he wants to play with. And I'm kind of watching it going, Oh, that looks fun for him. That's not necessarily fun for me but I'm glad Marty's having a great time recreating all of this old, all of the things that he, you know, talks in that book all the time, not specifically in the version that I had about this movie, but just in general talking about how, how much he adores old films and the history of cinema and and all of that sort of thing. I guess that's me too, though. Like, I I guess it's for the rest of us, like a lot of us old film fans that like, like to see that stuff yeah i I guess i could say yeah masturbatory but also at the same time 
um i don't know i just i i nerd out with him i guess on it like, yeah you go, and I you think go that, do your thing dude <laughs> right and i think that that's uh that's something that i guess i just don't feel that connection with him about to where i'm just like okay that seems awesome for you but uh you know it's not something that i'm upset about or whatever but it, it's kind of the way that i just view like uh people that are you know, either into like anime or whatever sort of hobbies that they're uh, big into. And I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, I appreciate that you like that, but that's not really for me. And that's yeah. kind of what I feel like watching Marty talk about uh, the very beginnings of cinema and that sort of stuff to that, to this sort of detail where I'm like, awesome. Uh, that you doesn't know, get me emotionally, but good. Good for you. I have, con- I mean, I'm the guy that's watching every single one, not just the ones we're talking about on the podcast. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, once again, seeing that it, it is such a good way to unlock Marty is that is that uh, my journey through American cinema um, where he where he just it's just him it could be taught as a class, but it's really just him talking about here's why I'm a huge film fan by Martin Scorsese. And like, (laughs) you just sit there and you just listen to him wax poetic about literally everything under the sun about movies and about why they work and about why they're so good. And then he'll just go through all of his favorite genres and, and why they work and you know, why he's decided to make movies like that and all that. And it's, it's a good time for someone like me but I wonder, I wonder for someone, for someone like you that, that like, you know, just is like, yeah, but I'm here. I'm not here for that. Like I'm here for something, you know, something completely different. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I just, I feel like once I saw that documentary, it unlocked even his rock documentaries mm-hmm. It even unlocked those for me. Cause I just thought, well, that's kind of odd that, you know, cause you know, I think in between these two films or maybe it was before, I don't, or maybe after, I'm not, I'm not sure when these ones, excuse me, we're made, but uh, he made that George Harrison one. Oh, right. Uh, Living in the material world. Yeah. And um, man, that is one of his best rock docs. Like a lot of them are just like, not that it's not that great. I, 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 they're, I mean, they're okay. They just, they, they show a concert or they show something going on or whatever, but then like, I don't know, there's something about, the George Harrison one. And maybe, maybe it has something to do with the subject matter. Like I, I happen to be a Beatles Mark and, and, uh, and, and especially George Harrison, my uh-huh. probably my favorite of the four. <laughs> but I also think that like, he, he absolutely gets culture uh, in mass, like culture mm. as a, as a, as a larger scale type of thing. And I think that's really interesting um, that he's able to kind of like, he is the one that's going to probably be the one from this section of us being alive as humanity recording this. Um, and like it, Hugo might not be the one I sit down with every, every night, you know, or oh, I'm going to pop in Hugo again and enjoy it. It's probably one I'm going to pop in like every 10 10 to 15 or so well, years. Just watch you know? it when your kiddo is old enough to watch it. You know, honestly, yeah, that's probably the next time that I'll watch it. And, and you know, it'll probably be another 10 years because mm-hmm. uh, he'll be about the age to, to probably fully understand and get it and enjoy mm-hmm. it. And, um, and I think that uh, that'll be good enough for me. But I think like the lasting mark on this is me going, oh, those faces. Christopher Lee, you know, M- Emily Mortimer, Ben Kingsley, Jude Law, 
all these faces that you know are are I'm a huge fan of. Like I like watching all these people in this in this film. Uh, but like the uh, Melier uh, uh, backstory of it all. Uh-huh. There's a feeling there that makes me just feel real great, like like about the, that that this movie will be like part of an uh, of a passing on of this type of information. Now, uh-huh. will it will it will audiences seek it out and find it or whatever? I probably not, you know. But it's <laughs> but at least you know we w- I do think Marty is going to be kept as a as a person uh, of of importance in, oh, in sure. cinema history, and so when we will be teaching Marty's work um, uh, for decades to come, decades after he's gone, you know, decades, you know, for, for a long time, we probably will uh, look to Hugo at some point or someone will look to Hugo and see that as the, as the uh, kind of the, the quintessential way to, to introduce uh, uh, Melier to, to young people. Well, it's not too hard to see Marty putting himself on screen as Millier, right? He or... absolutely puts himself <laughs> in, in the film too. I think oh he yeah, because he's the production. He yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a he always plays like a photographer. Yeah, or like someone who's who's like a videographer or something like that. He always mm. does stuff like that. Yeah, but that so that was the thing where it's like you know Kingsley comes out and introduces his lost movie to this packed house that gives him a standing O, and I'm like, oh okay, so this is this is like either a wish fulfillment or this is like a, Oh, I hope this happens to me when I'm retired or whatever. That's exactly what I took out of that. I don't know if that's so, ever going to happen. I mean, well, I don't know if he's going to retire. It's sort of like, yeah, that's, that's, you that's know, what I'm because, referring to. Oh, okay. Cause that's like, I don't know that he has, you know, it's not like he's um, like a forgotten genius or something, you know, he's still very much in the spot. Or that someone took away his, his stuff you know yeah yeah, oh, yeah i guess yeah, yeah. i guess if someone were to make a film like this where they where they celebrate the the work and the life of someone like this it probably would have to be marty mm-hmm. you know as important as millier was and and like even like the lumiere brothers and and all this stuff like i feel like yeah I, it would probably have to be another watershed individual mm-hmm. um man yeah yeah. I, I didn't expect to come on here and, and, and have these feelings about Hugo, but I think that's kind of a breakthrough for me about this film yeah, and why I'm kind of happy with giving it the score that I did. I, for people, I gave it four stars. Mm-hmm. And I probably felt that way coming out in 2011. Um, so, yeah, I guess nothing really has changed for me about this film except maybe my appreciation for where he's, where he's deciding to... Uh, uh, put his attention because to be honest, I doubt Hugo and I doubt the, the, the source material. And maybe I'm wrong about this. I doubt it has that much to do with like cinema and film history. Right. It's more like a book about a kid trying to find the secrets. Yeah. I I would imagine the book is probably more plot forward and less about how this relates to cinema's history and Martin Scorsese. I I think it's bad. I I actually kind of like it for that. I don't Mm -hmm. think I would be very interested if it was, all about the one thing but by doing that it does make it a bit of a mess doesn't it there really is kind of yeah. like two two halves to this to the the like the splattering over here is the splattering of the him of uh hugo uh cabaret looking for his his you know his family with the help of isabel and then over here is 
Georges Melier, you know, trying to find it, get his groove back, you know? So. <laughs> That's right. How Melier got his groove back. Yeah. That's the, uh, <laughs> yeah. Stella no, sequel that we didn't know we needed. Hell Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's basically what we thought about uh, Hugo. Is there anything that you wanted to mention about that before we move on to our second? Uh, film? No, nothing else. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm gotcha, glad. I'm, yeah. glad I, I'm glad I got a chance to see it again. A decade, a decade, almost exactly a decade after it was, I watched it. So right, and just for uh, clarity, I guess I gave this a three. Uh, I thought it was fine, but it was just like you know, like it, like I said, just not the thing that really moves the needle for me, but. Uh, but, you know, it's definitely well made. And I guess it's supposedly uh, wonderfully uh, experienced in, in 3D to where it, in the trivia that James Cameron had said it's the best 3D movie that had been made with his movies included in that uh, discussion. Now that I don't remember if I saw in 3D or not. And honestly, that's the that's probably my least favorite thing about the film is oh, all, of the computer... all of the 3D stuff and the computer. Yeah, or all the stuff. computer effects and, and all that. That wasn't very uh, it just wasn't very interesting to me. No, it was. Um, there was times where it was very Polar Express and I was like, ooh woof i don't love this like at the sure. beginning going through the train station and stuff and the mouse that's uh cgi and then a you know a actual prop and then cgi and i was like oof. so anyway so so that's yeah. uh so that's hugo uh let's move on to our second film two years later it is from 2013 it is the wolf of wall street My name is Jordan Belfort. The year I turned 26, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. We're making a name for ourselves. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. You know what a Fugazi is? Fugazi. It's a fake. Hey, Fugazi, Fugazi. It's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a fairy dust. Was all this legal? Absolutely not. We were making more money than we knew what to do with. We don't work for you, man. Yeah, my money taped to your boobs. Technically, you do work for me. What's wrong, Daddy? Oh, my God. FBI, any kind of booze you might want. No, the Bureau forbids us from drinking. So follow me, you could about to go. I'm doing 500, I'm out of control. But there's nowhere to go. And there's no way to slow. If I knew what I knew in the past, I would have been like that on your how does this actually work? There's a big money sign. They get launched at the time. They stick. Yeah. This is their gift, okay? They're built to be thrown like a lawn dart. One, two, three! Stop. Okay? Safety first. Safety is safety yeah. is first. Okay. We don't want to get a bad reputation. IMDb plot synopsis for this one goes like this. In the early 1990s, Jordan Belfour teamed up with his partner Donnie Azoff and started brokerage firm Stratton Oakmont, 
Their company quickly grows from a staff of 20 to a staff of more than 250, and their status in the trading community and Wall Street grows exponentially, so much that companies file their initial public offerings through them. As their status grows, so do the amount of substances that they abuse, and so do their lies. They draw attention like no other, throwing lavish parties for their staff when they hit the jackpot on high trades. Wow. Uh, that ultimately leads to Belfour featuring, be, being featured on the cover of Forbes magazine being called the Wolf of Wall Street. With the FBI onto his trading schemes, he devises new ways to cover his tracks and watch his fortune grow. Belfour ultimately comes up with a scheme to stash their cash in a European bank. But with the FBI watching him like a hawk, how long will they be able to maintain their elaborate wealth and luxurious lifestyles? Question mark. Okay, Mister mm. T, tell me about your history with the Wolf of Wall Street. All right, <laughs> uh, I saw it in theaters. Yes, liked it. Uh huh. Walked away. Didn't think about it for how long has it been? Like. Uh, it's been uh, eight years. Eight years. Whoa, man. That's crazy. That crazy? It's eight, eight years old. Uh, watched it uh, eight years later and definitely liked it a lot less. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. So it's strap getting spicy. In. Getting spicy. Strap in. I, I, I specifically did not post my... I post noticed my, uh, this. Yes. yes. Normally, I, I like to creep on Ben's ratings to sort of see what I'm in for. And well, I and also to let you have... know that I've actually done my homework and then it's time to, yeah, you know, <laughs> yes. but also, but also see what I, a, a, like a preview of what, yeah, what's what the talk that is to come. And I specifically <laughs> waited for this moment to let you know that I, I didn't like it as much. I probably mm. would have given it like five stars or like four and a half, you know, four and a half mm-hmm. stars back in like 2013 or whatever it came out. Mm-hmm. Just thought like you know oh man this is this it's just like uh, Goodfellas it's just like you know a uh, uh, taxi driver it belongs yeah. right next to it yep. no 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 this lands in the same uh, hopper as Casino mm. and and uh, and Raging Bull mm. but people that are listening you guys are probably thinking oh you know that but but what about those those movies are well regarded and stuff like that yeah but not for me. <laughs> Not for me. Uh, I think that they're very. Uh, it, this fits right in with those. Where 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 in casino, like it's all a bunch of uh, uh, shots of them yelling at each other and going from room to room and and being violent when one you know one stance and then going to the next and being a jerk. You know, it's just this to me was like party after party after party after party. Yes. And no consequences, no... I mean, there was consequences eventually. But, like, the humor coming from them is very uh, 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 frat house humor, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, which is very... uh, Automatically not for me. Um, (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Uh, But definitely for my friend, Eric here. Um, Just (laughs) just an absolute pig of a man. Um, And... (laughs) and (laughs) And so I just feel like I just feel like I was sitting here watching this stuff and it looks gorgeous. This film mm-hmm. is like tech a technical feat. It's, so much it's, money on the screen. Yeah, and the the cast is of course everybody's amazing. Every everybody on the screen is an amazing actor or actress. 
and it's just it's just like it it is such a chore mm-hmm. i won't say it was like the worst thing i've seen because <laughs> i gave it i gave it three stars is, is okay. what i ended up giving it but man was this one so much harder uh to see the second time and i want to probably go ahead and attribute that to a probably getting a little bit more mature in in how i view movies and and activity within movies and i'm not saying you know i'm not like the the fun hater yeah i'm not a fun hater or anything like that but it is such a hard thing to see over and over and over again uh and and really try to uh kind of put up with that while also just knowing full well that 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 uh jordan jordan belfort is a person who is absolutely alive today and is that well he's at the end of the movie yeah he's yeah they show his they show his plight at the end of the film and what he does and donnie azoff and all these people um and it's just it's hard to see that it's hard to see um it, it, you know it's hard to to recognize that especially since um financial crisis uh what was this like our third or fourth one now in our lifetime uh uh, that we've had to deal with our generation and and whatnot and and about the rich and stuff like that it's just very hard to watch someone who is so villainous and 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 takes away from um people uh people like myself and and that are just like me and 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 to celebrate that as a joke uh and not in a way that makes them look like buffoonish or 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 smart no leo is definitely being filmed as a person with you know that you're supposed to think is this trickster that is this like person we're supposed to 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 hope for and hope that he does well and and whatnot and i just i it's hard for me to get behind that um there are shades of of amazingness uh coming from jonah hill as well uh for his role uh as donny azoff mm-hmm. um and uh and, and like, oscar nominated performance yeah okay that makes sense because there's these moments where it's just like there's a real actor coming out and he's he's it's like could you possibly you know be put into a much more um uh more serious role uh and i think i don't know if moneyball came out before or after this but you know i i think it's more it's like oh yeah that's right jonah hill's like a really good actor and i, I, I really want to <laughs> see not just a stuff. goof yeah yeah, and and this totally was something that makes it look like he could be. I think it's a I think it's a real good blend of of both uh, things from Jonah Hill. Uh, interestingly enough, it went Moneyball, Twenty One Jump Street, Wolf of Wall Street, Twenty Two Jump Street. Okay, yeah. So gotcha, a yeah. serious one, a goofy one, serious goofy. And then uh, I think this is the first time Margot Robbie was on my on my radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and it was this in the uh, the movie with uh, Will Smith uh around the same sort of time where she's playing like the the vixen type focus okay focus yeah that's right Focus. because i remember seeing that in uh previews for a different movie and was like who is this woman and she's gonna be an absolute star (laughs) yeah um probably my favorite performance was of hers was uh i tanya Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, she's she's a, she's given a lot. I I really haven't seen a lot of her superhero stuff, or I guess Harley Quinn yeah, stuff. Seen, yeah, Harley Quinn or uh, or Suicide Squad or Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey, yeah. I I, I, pro- I probably will plan to see Birds of Prey. I uh, do have it if you want to watch it. Yeah, and then uh, and then of course she's uh, one of the uh, one of the mains in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and mm-hmm. and she is just absolutely wonderful in that one too. I mean, she's one of the best parts about it. Um, 
and and not for any particular reason other than that she's just really happy mm. she's really 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 pleasant happy person in that film and and just given the chance to to kind of um you know do that type of stuff she's playing like the bridget fonda type role from uh jackie brown uh, no like she free spirit type uh kind of um i mean i know spirit. who she plays but i'm saying oh, like, right. that okay, sort of right. energy yeah but but just like I, I i don't it's just a really good sequence that doesn't really spoil anything by me talking about it but she just in once upon a time in hollywood to talk about that one one more time uh is uh she just walks into the theater uh with her film playing and she's just like so psyched to be there and see her film and just like uh, she goes alone and she's just like that's me on the poster everyone and stuff <laughs> like that it's just like fun and uh in like a real charming way and and just yeah i just she's wonderful um i'm gonna make a a, a another casino uh, uh comparison uh to wolf of wall street um in that one uh there was a, a comedian that plays a side character that was completely misused do you remember that in which in which in, movie? in casino like oh, where they were where, where like oh, uh, don rickles yeah where don rickles is completely miscasted and i said oh my gosh what are they doing it is uh-huh. just absolutely the same could be said for uh uh leo's father max belfort oh, uh, mad, mad max and rob reiner plays him and like i love rob reiner i think he's really funny but man they just give him one scene where he just he screams at the top of his lungs and it's just real real shitty but then the rest of the time he's just a guy that's just reacting to what's going on and it just seems real wasted Mm. like you could have just made rob reiner you could have just made anybody else that character and not rob reiner that way you don't have to waste rob reiner for anything (laughs) i feel like he just wasted his time except for the one scene where he's screaming at the tv because someone called Mm. or something and then he puts on his fake british accent yeah yes oh man that, that see that's what i'm saying that's the one thing and then the, what do they do in the rest of the movie? Like, yeah, it doesn't have a thing. All right, so let me talk you, to you oh, yeah, uh, sorry. about <laughs> what I thought. So here's my journey with this movie. This was the first time I've seen it. Uh, oh, wow. I knew that from the trailer, I, I could feel the toxic masculinity coming off of this movie from the trailer. And I was like, okay, that's the topic. Uh, I'm not going to rush out and see it, but when we get to it, that'll be interesting to see sort of what, how he tackles that and what my response to it is. Uh, so I showed this trailer to my wife and she is very much like yours is very discerning. And it's kind of like, all right, well, let me see what you're watching. Show me the trailer and I'll see if I'm interested in watching it with you or not. And so she watched that and was like, oh, that could be fun. I'll watch that with you. And I said, okay. So we watched it yesterday uh, with some martinis and kind of kicked back and was like, I didn't do any reads. It was just taking the day off sort of a thing. Oh, yeah. And so we watched the film and we paused a few times to either make another drink or go to the bathroom or whatever. And she said, at one point she came back and she said, I'm glad that we're pausing because man, this is a lot and it's all the same tone. She's like, you know what I mean by that? She's like, it's all like the same. And I go, well, what do you mean? Because I'm definitely going to use this for the podcast. And she says, yeah, well, she goes, it's like, it's all like the way that my little brothers, like college age kids, like the, the things that they think about and think is funny and like the things that they want to do. It's just all yep. of that. 
for three hours. And I was like, yes. (laughs) So that is what I thought about this. This is the first time I saw it, like I said, and I didn't really like it very much. (laughs) I thought that there was funny elements. I thought that there was good performances. I thought that there was a lot of money. Holy shit. Was there a lot of money on the screen? But I thought that it was, it was just so sophomoric and just so sort of like, who is this for? Because one of the things that I was struggling with was the, you had mentioned that Jordan Belfort is shot in a way that you're supposed to think Leo is a cool guy or like a cool person. And I'm, I'm kind of at two minds about that because I, I want to hope that that's not the case. I want it to be like Marty is taking a look at Wall Street the way that he looked at like a Travis Bickle sort of a character to where the dum-dums will be like, oh yeah, he's super cool. Isn't he cool? But really you're taking down that person and you're not supposed to think that that person is an idealized character. But I feel like that is me searching for something that the movie is not giving me because I want the movie to do that, but I don't think that the movie is actually doing that. Man, we are so in agreement on that. Because <laughs> I, I, I too, I, I was doing that with my second. I'm like, I remember really liking this and then never visiting it again. Why do I feel that way? I thought that there was, I, I knew there was like elements of it that were really disturbing and like real, you know, that it, and it's meant to be that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what happened? What happened between that? And I can only think that, that we as an audience or just myself in general, I mean, I'm sure there's people back then that absolutely didn't like this film, but I know revisiting it, I've had me too. And the mm-hmm. Trump, the Trump administration mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And so if I hadn't grown through that time to absolutely despise that type of behavior and to be able to know, to identify it better, um, I absolutely I probably would have felt the exact same way coming out of the theater, just going, Oh yeah, look, it's, this is fine. We can watch Leo be a bad boy. This is just Marty being a bad boy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And knowing full well that like, yeah, no, like this still does, this does, this doesn't play now as I'm sure it didn't play well back then for mm-hmm. some. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my, my sort of frustration with it is, I kind of watch it and I'm like, what is, what's, what is the point? Like we're yeah, not, why, why are we watching them take lewds for the fourth time this entire yes. film? Because yes. the point is brought across in that first time. Mm-hmm. Like and even him crawling to this car while a great moment of, of like a physical acting, mm-hmm. you know, and like him and his Leo makes the best faces in this film. Like it's one of the best Leo faces of all time in this movie. But like, once we've had our time with it, it's like, do we really need, do we, do we need to do this? Yeah. And you get, you get that sense of uh, reality versus what he thinks uh, is going on to where he makes his way home fine in his sort of dream. Oh yeah, that was good. Sort of perspective, but then you get the reality. And so I like, I liked that piece where I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting filmmaking. But I watch it and I'm like, all right, so it's based on a real guy, which makes me hate the guy more as opposed to it just being a fictional character. Because I'm like this, like, I, I guess I just don't get it. Like you're watching it and you're rooting for the guy that is that is scamming people out of a bunch of money. 
It's kind of hard to believe that someone like someone like Leo, knowing what we know about him and his celebrity, would be behind playing this. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, I guess the thing that I think of is it's like the the bad version of Howard Hughes. Yeah. Where when you see the aviator and you're like, he's trying to do all of this stuff and he's got all of these different interests and he kind of has like a mental breakdown because he can't do like everything that he wants in the way that he wants. And he won't say he won't give up. Right. To where this is like, I have, first of all, I should say like, I have a problem with wall street and brokers in general, not that I've had any sort of bad experience, but I, the idea that, the people make the amount of money for doing literally nothing. <laughs> it just drives me kind of crazy. Um, right. And, and so when you have this character who you're cheering for him to scam people, I guess, and you're cheering him for, you're cheering on that, the fact that he's cheating on his wife several times and wasting cash and, and just, you know, doing all these things that it's like, this is what, this is what you want. Like, this is what you want America. Like this is what you're like striving to be. And And I just, I'm fine watching a film like that, but it has to, it has to be, I mean, there has to be some form of, I mean, he, uh, Marty would probably even argue that, and and maybe I shouldn't speak for him or anything like that because the the film is the talking, Uh but I just, there's a part of me that just looks at the film and just says, I'm completely dissatisfied with even portraying something like this without even without it. Like, like it's like not the, not a full story um, to me. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. Where's it, where's his comeuppance, right? Like, yeah. Where he, does he go? He like, you know, yeah. He has his yacht. That's that's uh, sunk. Okay. You know that, that he doesn't care. He's supposed to. Do I need them? Do I need them to take an arm from him? No, but like, (laughs) but I kind of, but I kind of do. Right. Well, you need to, and you know, they, they have some sort of a thing where they try to redeem him question mark where they're like, Oh no, I'm not drinking anymore. And, and Jonah Hill's like, well, you want to snort some baking powder just to, you know, make me not feel like I'm alone or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, you, won't you just do this just to be like bros with me is kind of what he's getting at, you know? Um, and that type of feeling like that has never felt more inappropriate, you know, in, in, yeah. in a law, you know, just like, I think just kind of like when we're watching this film, it's just not the time anymore. For yeah. This type well, I don't, of stuff. I don't know that this gets made now. Like I, I think no, that if, yeah. if this tries to come out nine years later, I think that the landscape has changed so much with the sort of abuse of power stories I don't know that this is a thing that gets made and I'm glad I guess it's 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 fine it's fine I'm glad that it's not one that won any of those to where you have to look back and be like oh yeah this one best picture of the year in 2013 meanwhile three years later a garbage person gets elected president in quotes and uh you know look at what we think about that that sort of behavior now kind of a thing so I don't know it's just like um it's just like the the appetite for me to enjoy this is not there. And maybe it was when I was in college or maybe it would have been when I was a teen and I'd have been like, Oh, look what it could be like when I grow up and I could make all of this money. I mean, it's, by absolutely, doing this stuff. it's absolutely 
yeah, oh, it's totally fun when you're a kid to watch people do drugs and to do all this stuff. And even yeah. and even now, it was still fun to like watch them tear apart this boat and stuff or do all this stuff. But like, I don't know. Like, why is it that I can watch something like? There just seems to be, and I don't want to use this term, but there's no other better term shorthand for me to say it. But like, there's a wokeness to like The Sopranos or to Breaking mm. Bad or to something like that, where I could watch a show like that and watch a guy be an asshole. But then like totally like the show gets that the pacing enough to show consequences in a certain way that make me, that still compel me to see the film. I mean, essentially, that's what Jordan Belfort is kind of here. He is kind of Tony Soprano. He is the kind of person that's grown fat from too much cream, you know, mm-hmm. and, and living the world the way he wants to live in the way that he loves. And so, you know, you get to a certain point in all of this and all, the whole game where by the time you're hitting that third hour of the film and you're just watching uh as 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 the term that jordan uses in the film chickens come home to roost whatever the fuck that means Uh like there is a it's like it's like it's almost too late you know it's like we've already kind of sat and watched your cult like almost almost eat steve madden alive right which was which was that was actually a great scene where he is screaming and he starts to talk to you know, uh, Steve Madden goes up to the mic, starts to tell him all about his shoes, holds up one of the goofy looking shoes and they start making fun of it immediately. And mm. they, I mean, they're about to start eating him alive. And that's when um, Leo runs back in and goes, well, like, hang on. You yeah, know, because, well, it could be because they owned like 80% of that stock or whatever. Well, also he wasn't about to let them kill him. You know, uh-huh. essentially what they were going to do is just like beat the shit out of him. But then right, it's cause like, he, yeah, because he needed them to push that deal so he could make money. Right. Well, and also don't it's it's almost like fuck the client became a way of life. And even someone in uh, Jordan's uh, seat knows that that's not true. Mm. Like like even he has to kind of like not truly live that live that life. Mm-hmm. whereas they're all about like yeah like fuck the client like we're just gonna make fun of the product we'll still sell it we'll sell the shit out of it we don't care but mm-hmm. like okay. it, it's when they were all it's when he was talking on the microphone and and like they were all just starting to like not be uh not be sold on the product but the fact is they don't really it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. i think part of the thing is like uh i'm not i guess i i struggle more now with movies that are based on cult of personality stories, you know, to where it's like, Oh, here's this person that we just followed blindly. And because they were so magnetic, we just sort of couldn't help ourselves uh, because I, I, I hear that excuse to where like, Oh, the person, I don't really, you know, I'm more following the person than I am the belief because I don't believe those things. And Leo can pull it off. And that's, what's, that's one of the things where like in, the aviator i feel like at times when he's being charming i can i can see it to where here i feel like he's garbage he's a garbage person from the beginning and what my wife and i discovered was that there was points at the beginning where i'm laughing and i'm like oh this is crazy look at the big crazy and i kept waiting for it to have a come down moment and be like you know a dramatic movie or something and then 
it just kept staying at that same level. And then it was like, okay, well, I just am laughing less and less as I go. And it's not because the film is, is reaching for fewer laughs. It's just, I'm not responding to them anymore because I'm like, all right, I, I get it. They're crazy. And they are like illegally getting a bunch of money for doing nothing except for screaming at each other and calling each other a bunch of stuff I heard in high school and middle school. It's like, what is the point that, of this? Let me ask you this. Do you think that, um, do you think that Marty's, well, let me, I'm just going to ask a very plain question. Uh-huh. And I think this might be leading a little bit, but do you suppose that his films are way too long? Absolutely. And I think that he can get his point across way more concise is what I'm trying to get at. I think yeah. I, so there, there are several sections here to where I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like, I mean, who am I to question, uh, you know, our, uh, our esteemed editor, <laughs> Thelma Schumacher, right? Who like, right. who am I to, to question her? But it's like, is the, is this scene providing something that we don't already know? Or is it something that is um, giving us further information for, towards the character? And there's several times where I'm like, this doesn't provide anything. It's just more examples of them doing something that they've already done. And so I was right. like, this That's is just the so The middle redundant. section of that film is, is them being able to do that. And, and it wants me to, it like leads me to believe that a studio could look at Marty and say, oh my gosh, Marty needs a three hour epic. He needs to be able to tell this whole story. And what ends up happening is they'll just keep giving him money or they'll just keep giving him time and let him do a, a two to three hour film. But part of that film is going to be so bloated to the point where it's just like, this is not worth, this is not worth this little section here. Need to be Uh, like a little bit more concise, maybe cut like an hour out of this almost. And I don't think a studio is willing to do that to the great Marty Scorsese. I just don't think so. Every single film we're about to watch now from this moment on, I mean, we've already been doing it since, since what, uh, since uh, really uh, Gangs New York, every single one of these films is three hours at least. <laughs> um, yeah. so, uh, Silence Hugo is... Hugo is two hours plus, but still, it's a it's a kids film that's over two hours, which is that's unheard, which of. is surprising. <laughs> so the um, so the next film Silence is going to have uh, you know a, a lot. It's going to be make you know it's going to make one of you are put up with a lot and and you know same thing with the irishman you know so it's like, <laughs> so that's what that's what i'm saying is i'm i'm you know even even though i well i say i i guess i can get into i like both of those films mm-hmm. but I, revisiting them will be interesting because i'm starting to think much like um you, you're not much into games are you you know uh not any not as much anymore i used to i used to be a I used to be into it a lot and then I sure. got married. So yeah. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Hey, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad now. So I have a significant less time for this type of stuff. But one of the things that games do not have very often is an auteur and they have, a, uh, they, have an auteur, yes. they have an auteur named um, uh, Hideo Kojima. I'm sure you've heard of him. 
and he uh, was a, a Japanese man who created a bunch of different series uh, throughout the late 80s and early 90s. But one of the one he's most famous for is Metal Gear Solid, which is pretty much yeah. just anime. It's just anime. It's anime as a as an American. Oh, but it's story. anime that it's anime that people that don't like anime could swallow, though. You know? It sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think so. A lot of a lot of men our age probably have seen or played or heard of Metal Gear. But like later on in his career these metal games were coming out and they just needed a they needed a little bit of like uh okay that's enough Hideo or like George Lucas like you know mm. it's another great example of someone who needed an editor for those prequels he just needed an editor to yeah, tell him someone no. to be able to tell him no right exactly and i think that's what's happening with Marty only he's creating these very vast very large pieces that harken back but who are they for what is this for and like it's fun to like have a lot to work with and like yeah i'm sure that one party scene that you spent a lot of money on has a lot of cool fun performances in it and now you have to and now you have to consider four party scenes to put in your film but one of them has to be cut now nah, just just make the film three hours and 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 uh. just keep make sure we include all of them in there because we don't want to waste any of these really good performances but what you're ending up doing is making that entire package a, 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 such a chore to, to work on, especially mm-hmm. on a night, you know, for someone like, I don't know. His films are often looked at as something that you have to see in the theater, though. And I can imagine now if I did, if I wasn't watching The Irishman or uh, Silence or, you know, if I was back to watching films in a theater, maybe I would feel this way uh, about it, you know, about his work but i don't know i guess we'll see with killers of the flower moon unless that's coming from netflix or something I yeah i guess we'll see i don't know because i'd like to see that still, in the they're theater. still shooting that right uh i believe yeah i believe it's yeah i believe they're still going they started I mean, shooting it but i don't i don't know how long they were thinking it was going to take either way it's it's one of those things where it's just a long way of me saying i think he needs uh you know he has a great editor obviously but i'm saying someone needs to tell him no someone needs to like let him cut his film down because uh-huh. this could have benefited from being a th- like almost a third which is a large section uh <laughs> to get to the point um yeah because ultimately do we learn anything from this like that was my main question is what is the theme of this because you don't really see him like he evolves some but he's still being a huckster trying to scam people at the end that's the way that i took the end like with the sell me this pen like he's still just trying to teach people the same bullshit i think it's obvious we get it i think it is i I, eric i think it is that simple i think it is literally Uh. I I, i think it is that simple and so we took that long to get there so i'm thinking even if you get it it's still not like you and I get it, wink, wink. We get it. We get that yeah. this is not a celebration. We're not those frat boys putting up the Wolf of Wall Street poster like we did mm-hmm. uh, a decade ago with Fight Club, or or two decades or, ago with or yeah, like Joker when I was in something. college, it was all of the uh, oh Joker. It was all of the uh, Travis Bickle with the gun stuff that I yeah, saw everywhere. I mean, it's like it's like we get it, but it's still not. You know, at least with Travis Bickle there was a uh, like a quality of life thing i don't know like there's just something about where well, they leave saying, that character 
And that's what I, that's what I wanted it to do. I wanted it to be like a movie that was saying something. I wanted it to be like, here is, you know, and maybe it, maybe it goes down to the screenplay to where taxi driver is written by Paul Schrader. This is clearly not right. This is based on Jordan Belfort's book and who knows, maybe that's brilliantly written, but I would hazard a guess that it is not. And so when you have that sort of source material, he's not, he doesn't appear to be the guy that is going to dig into the depths of his soul and saying like, here's what I learned. It's very much like what I was accusing Hugo of is, Hey, this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And look at these crazy parties and look, here's a bunch of naked people. And you're like, okay, crazy parties and naked people and a bunch of dumb jokes, I guess. But what are we learning from it? He's still the same guy. And you're like, okay. Yeah, he's still going to look for ways out or ways to get higher, ways to get. Yeah. And you're like, and you that know. needed to be three hours, really? Like, I don't know. So that <laughs> it's like wonderful people doing wonderful work, but I don't think the story is very good. You could have just given me the one party, you know. As a Give fantasy. me one example, one example of either the yacht or the office party or something along those lines. And I, and we got it. The yacht is the, we can't use the yacht because the yacht is um, that has to stay in because that's um, are you talking about the yacht when it, it's starting to capsize? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. That's part that of the doesn't... chickens come home to roost section that okay. I'm talking about way before that um there's just too much there's there's too much like there's a party here there's a party here you know even just like keep the party where you where you learn about um naomi uh-huh uh and that could be you, you know your one time or whatever where they're doing lose and the guy falls off the banister and like, i don't know there's just like i said i just feel like there's just so much that i don't feel like what you know for what it's trying to say it wasn't worth it yeah exactly. to, to make it exactly. to make it that long but because yeah. the economy of of budget that they're giving this guy um he's allowed he's allowed he's allowed to stay on the mic for as long as he needs to mm. because he's martin well, I mean, scorsese. yeah he's martin yeah it's right he's martin fucking scorsese uh and and you know that's sort of like um i'm not a i don't think that this is the case but it's almost like a uh you're it's almost like what they did with Jordan Belfort where you're excusing bad behavior as long as you get what you want. So it's like, yeah, Marty, we'll let you do a three hour movie because we know that this is going to be so big and bombastic and also dumb that it's going to bring in all of these people that are like sort of stupid American, like give me a movie that's a bunch of boobs and a bunch of drugs and a bunch of money because that's what I want to do when I get older or when I, that's like my wish fulfillment. Right. Like, that's what I felt like this was to where it was sort of like uh, Marty's like baser instincts as a wish fulfillment compared to the first film, which is more of like his artistic wish fulfillment with the with the sort of restoration of Millier and all that. Here's a here's um, a here's a hint or like a thing that I thought of that that never occurred to me. We're talking to two people who've probably I'm assuming I, I, I can't maybe I can't speak to you, but I'll. Uh, you you seem like someone who has not dealt with addiction in terms of drugs or alcohol or anything like that. Uh, so, I have not in my family. They have, but I have right. not. Though. But you have not personally. And that's important right. here. And I have not either. Um, but I bet this probably speaks to someone 
who, and especially someone who's making this film, who doesn't get to do mm. his cocaine anymore. Uh, um, that's and so he, he would rather play it on screen as a joke than actually do it. It's kind of like Nicolas Cage. The stuff I hear about Nicolas Cage is he needs to keep working. Otherwise, he'll get into trouble or he'll do a uh, bad thing. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that's why he's in literally everything. And plus, he's got tons of bills to pay. Right, uh is yeah. is what i hear i mean obviously i don't this well is all... selling off his selling off his superman book right yeah exactly that type of stuff but like because he has you know his his past or his problems or whatever um i'm sure there is an element there that marty is just like look even in my old age i i want to keep doing this stuff it's hard for me to even say no it's a struggle every day to be to be on the other side of addiction and so maybe if I do stuff like this, it'll prevent. And and I hope so. I hope he's doing okay. I hope all these people are doing okay. Um, well, you know what I think is interesting is if you look at these four films and obviously we'll talk about the, the last two next time, but uh, it's like, he went from with these last four, he went from like, all right, let me try a kid's one. That's sort of technology based and sort of push the envelope and, and also do something that I want to do that I think is interesting with the restoration stuff. And then he's like, all right, let me, let me play the hits. Let me do something big and bombastic and, and is like a sort of loud movie. And then the next time he's like, all right, let me get back to that last temptation sort of vibe with silence. Right. To where, let me do an ultra religious one and atone for my sins of the Wolf of wall street type behavior. Oh man. And then I'm with so the excited last for you one, to see silence. And then the last one, he's like, hey, let me get back to the uh, to the sort of, uh, you know, Goodfellas casino vibe that I that I am known of. for. Oh, man. You just need to see these last two movies. Right. And I'm, so I'm that's, excited. That's like my perspective of what he's doing with these last four. Like, let me do something that's similar, but a little bit different of something that I've already done before. And I'm that's really, yeah. the familiar thing. I'm really excited to revisit these next two just based off of the context of literally everything before it. Yeah. But he seems to really kind of make like two or three different kinds of films. He does. Yeah. Which is, which I would have, I knew that he did gangster stuff, but that was kind of all that I really knew going into it. Like I didn't really have as much of a knowledge base where I was like, okay, there's other movies that he does. Sure. But he was so interesting though. It really does stand yeah. apart in, in all of it his does. stuff. I mean, he does do his same tropes of like, let's celebrate uh film history let's let you know that's obviously his his fingerprints but it's such a different movie it, it, you're right it almost felt like hey this was meant for uh you know spielberg couldn't do it so we uh we gave it to <laughs> exactly. marty and so marty oh, well, was you know what to... i would love to, i would love to see him do uh after the one that he's working on now can he do something like an alice doesn't live here anymore sort of a style oh my god that i would because love that. that would be amazing Probably to not. see him do that i don't think he would be able to I don't think no. that there's there's too much money on the line for him to make a movie like that now. Well, and, and also no one, no one's. I mean, I think he's also kind of complaining because he's one of the last people alive that can make a film, an original idea film, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you know people will go to see in the theater, and I and I doubt that even too, because even his stuff doesn't make money. Tarantino's definitely does. He can still mm-hmm. go in and make and make tons of money uh tarantino can off of his off of his work and off of original ideas but 
uh, unfortunately, um, I'm sure Marty has has been hit by a box office several times. Well, and he was because these are two adaptations, right? These are not his. These are not original films. Um, and Hugo did not do particularly well. Like if you factor in the the marketing costs, it it probably lost money. Uh, that cost 150 million dollars, which this cost $100 million, which is surprising that this was $50 million less than Hugo. Uh, but that yeah, 3D that is, is expensive, right? 3D is sure, expensive. Yeah. Uh, but this was a $392 million, so it did triple its budget. But, again, it is not an original. It's a not original thing. I mean, it is a, in terms of it's not an existing IP, but it's based on a book. So it wasn't well, like he... More... Yeah, go ahead. I got one more casting thing. Um, I don't remember the gentleman's name. I closed the window already of people that were uh, in the film. But um, there was a gentleman that played the Swiss banker. Um, oh, right. Mm-hmm. He was, I, re- I saw him and I'm like, oh, it's that guy from The Artist. I remember yeah, that, it was, that. He was George that, Valentin in The Artist. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember seeing him and just being like, yeah, where's that guy been? And, and like, you know, people come and go, people are part of a, are, are part of a, uh, you know, section of Hollywood times, you know, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like where oh, he's, sure. the, well, he's, he's, a, he's a French, he's, the, he's, I mean, he's a French uh, performer, Jean Dujardin. Sure. And then, and then of course, like when he comes over to America and you see a little bit of his personality on, on the screen when he, when he wins an Oscar, I believe. Um, and he's in the artist. Uh, I think one of his uh, Oscar speech was just like, I love America and I love American women and stuff like that. And you're just like, okay, like he's a very handsome guy and like gets to, you know, be in this capacity or whatever. Yes. That's very, very good. Very good. But yeah. seeing him in this, in this role, it's absolutely like perfect. And I thought that was really good casting, but it was yeah. just pleasant to see him again because I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. That was, like eight years ago, we all cared about him or that type of stuff or whatever. <laughs> right. You know, the, oh yeah, uh, I the, used to care about the Oscars. That's right. <laughs> the uh, the actor that I sort of was taken by and was really kind of disappointed that she left the movie was uh, was Kristen, uh, I don't know how to say her last name, Milioti, I think is how you say it, but she's the actress from uh, Palm Springs with Andy Samberg um, is how I know her. Did she play the wife? she's first, yeah first she's wife? she's the first wife yeah she's and a great I actress like, i was like okay she's coming back later right she's gonna do something later right nope she's just out of the movie no. and like, oh, and, and, and a. much like in casino the typical oh, sp- yeah, yeah, spouse yeah. screaming at each other that would by the way that is um that is trump tower they are they are uh underneath oh, uh, when, they, wow. when, when when his first wife and her are yelling at each other hmm. so i just that thought that was, was interesting. Uh, yeah, and then the the other thing that we haven't specifically mentioned is, uh, boy, can I just can I just skip all of the movies with uh, domestic violence? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of he, well. He's like beating her up, and I'm like, good lord! Like, is he going to get some sort of comeuppance? Like, she doesn't attack him. She doesn't do like the Sharon Stone to where she's ready to kill De Niro in Casino, and here she just kind of gets beat up and keeps threatening him, and then you just see him being a garbage person and that's it oh yeah that was actually quite believable too yeah and i'm like god damn like okay so anyway 
All right. Well, anything else about uh, the Wolf of Wall Street or Hugo before we say goodbye on our second to last episode, Mr. Teed? Uh, much like my first time around with these, it'll be a while before I revisit either of these. Yes. <laughs> I think the other bummer. I think the other bummer is I bought this on. I bought Wolf on Blu-ray, like just uh-huh. for this, and now I'm just kind of like, eh. All right. You bought it just for this. I have it yeah. on Blu-ray. No, the- no, no. I know, I know. But I'm like, I'm gonna want to own this. I'm gonna absolutely oh, want to have this. Your, your confidence was, those, was high. Yeah. Yeah. I was so confident <laughs> I was gonna like it that I even went as far to get the Blu-ray. Now, once again, it was four ninety-nine. So big. Whoop. Oh. <laughs> oh, physical still, media. Sometimes you're so cheap now. <laughs> yeah, but then it's just sitting here, and I'm just like, yeah, I guess it's just gonna gather dust somewhere for a while because mm-hmm. it will be a while before I want to even and you know what i it's gonna be hard for me to not think that about our 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 like main opinions and our like our guesses as to why these films just put us through this Uh uh-huh so you gave this a three or what did you give this i gave it a three i still think it's very technical and 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 the and and performance wise very strong but like, no way does it get past that for me because like, I'm even, I was even teetering on like two and a half, but that seemed very oh, middling. Two, two well, and a half is the exact middle of five. Right. So part yeah. of me just thinks, no, 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 th- this is not a middling film. This is absolutely an achievement. Uh, like you, I can look at this with a lot of confidence and say, this is a very good film for me uh, or like a very good looking film. But in terms of its writing, you know, which is an aspect of this, not not the full aspect but an aspect you know it's it's interesting to to uh to you know give it a lot of points a lot of star credit for for other things other than just like how enjoyable was it you know mm-hmm. i can look past it whether or not i enjoyed something and had a good time with it that's probably the main reason why i you know rate something but i can also there, i'm i'm also kind of like I also want to appreciate like the tech behind it all. Mm-hmm. Well, I will uh, be a contrarian to everything that you just said because I gave it a two and a half. <laughs> because yeah, no, I mean, I think while it looks great, I just, I just can't bother with any of the, the characters that are in it. it I totally it's get not that. that it, it's not that it's poorly done. It's just, I just don't like what they're going for, you know? Right. I can't bring myself to, to go lower i just can't even mm-hmm. though i completely think you're you're that's yeah you're you're on the right track there with <laughs> with how this is looking it's pretty surprising i mean that's not too surprising in that uh, i i thought i was going to love it but because based on the the sort of subject matter i was like yeah i don't know that i'm going to i don't know that i'm cut, gonna love cut that. back to like a, an episode ago where i believe i said maybe i was wrong about this but maybe i should have Maybe I should have kept my mouth shut or whatever. And maybe I'll still continue to keep my mouth shut. There's a part of me that just thinks that I just said, oh, yeah, from here on out, Eric, it's all bangers, man. Every single (laughs) one of these movies is good. And now I'm just like, wait, what? Like, yeah. So now now I'm like having to. I'm I'm wondering whether or not I said that, but also um, it'll be be uh... interesting. Well, we have the Age of Innocence and uh, whatever was we paired with that one is the episode that I am uh, woefully behind. That'll be out tomorrow. Uh, is when uh, is what we're is where we're at. And last week was uh, was Color of Money and uh, Last Temptation of Christ as of recording. Right. So 
Yeah. So, that's so we got one more, one more to record, man. One more to go. That's crazy. One and so I'm getting go. down to the very end of my watching of like all of his stuff. But yeah, yeah, we're, we're just getting caught up with time. time. Uh, yeah, I guess that would technically be it, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. For the one that's uh, in production. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I guess that'll that'll pretty much wrap us up. So if you have any comments, suggestions or movies or uh, I guess directors as well that you'd like to hear us talk about, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show over at Twitter. Our handle is at plainlabelpod. You can follow me over there. I'm at ericwilliams79. We also have an Instagram account. Just search for plainlabelpodcast and you'll find us over there. If you wanted to help out the show, you could check out our show notes where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. I do want to thank Mr. T for coming on once again. If people wanted to hear more from you, get in touch with you, where could they do that? You can find me at Letterbox at Ben Teed. At Ben Teed over at Letterbox. Love it. All right. Well, thank you for listening and join us next week. Big one. Big one next week, Ben. When we oh my conclude gosh. We got a lot of work. Discussion. We have a lot of work. That's right. We conclude our discussion of the Martin Scorsese filmography with Silence and The Irishman. Like that on your ass.